previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Does Broadbrand still sell lemon heads, Tony? Michael, does Broadbrand sell those? They most certainly do. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like I should. Yeah, I'm 53 years old. When I lived on 31st as a kid, I may or may not have taken a box of lemon heads one time from Broadbrand. <laughs> I feel like I should. I feel like I Pay need them to back. send you a box of lemon heads and have you just kind of put it right back in the slot. That's it would funny. make me feel a lot better. Anytime, anytime we can help you getting to even keel morally, we're happy. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. To that point, sent in by Joe Landine. Listening to Sansy on the pod Wednesday reminded me that one time when I was 10, I stole a Cadbury egg and a huge novelty pencil from a local department store. Sadly, that chain went out of business years ago, so I can't have you return the items to get my morals back to even keel. Any ideas? And P.S., please don't tell Sally Jenkins. There's nothing I want more than to stay off her radar, as if some schlub like me could ever fly that high. <laughs> Lemonheads. I'm not familiar with lemonheads. Michael, what are lemonheads? It's just a great it's a great starts out sour and then it ends a little bit sweet, if yeah. I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Been many years, but uh, great memories of Broad Branch Market. Got the uh the Sam Neill House account. Yeah. <laughs> Playing Coke Wars out in front of Lafayette. Yeah. Um it's Neville. Yes, that Neville. I'm upset that you failed to recognize the historic athletic accomplishments of that local jock factory, Sidwell Friends which during the weekend of March 6th won both the boys' and girls' basketball championships conducted by the D.C. State Athletic Association. The girls' team is also the number one team in the country, led by Naismith Player of the Year, Kiki Rice, and coached by Naismith Coach of the Year, Tamika Dudley, while the boys beat Wilson on a thrilling buzzer-beating tap-in. I presume you must no longer subscribe to your local newspaper, given the prominence of the stories in the Washington Post, or else maybe Michael's connections to Murray have undermined your objectivity. <laughs> Neville Waters, Sidwell class, friend, Sidwell friends class of 75. <laughs> All right, Neville, we're good now, right? <laughs> yes. I certainly, I didn't know about the boys. I knew about the girls. I knew the girls were ranked very, very high. Um, and I knew that the young lady who's the player of the year is, I believe, the niece of um, the ambassador to the United Nations. Oh, wow. Who lives in your neighborhood. Sure. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't know. Rice. I don't know her. Yes. What's her first name? Do we know? Um, I've forgotten. Who? Susan Rice. Susan Rice. Yes. Yes. That's her niece. I believe. I believe that's true. I believe she is the daughter of uh, Susan Rice's brother, Johnny Rice. But I could be wrong, and I, I'm sure Neville will let me know. Um, so it's it's just it's, imagine when Siddle becomes one campus. Yeah, that could be really good. Um, I want to thank the Serrano Swain family who sent me a card for no reason at all with their pictures on it. Thank you. It's very, very nice. It's lovely. I get these things every once in a while. So I wanted to talk about the fact that spring is here. And it's here where I live. I don't know where you live. But it's here where I live. The, the yellow flowers, the forsythias are blooming. The daffodils are blooming. Everything is coming up. Even in my yard, which does not get good sun. My backyard gets hardly any sun. Things have come up out of the ground. You can tell spring is here. Now, spring is not going to be here in Washington in the 20015 on Saturday and Sunday. No. And in many places in the Northeast on Saturday and Sunday when something called a bombogenesis <laughs> is going to hit the North Atlantic and destroy, you know, all measure of spring with winds here to 50 miles an hour further north to 80 to 90 miles an hour. You've read about this. We've right? had these winds, it gale feels warnings. like, every weekend. Yeah, gale warnings. Up Can't to 50 golf. miles an hour. Forget Can't about play. golf. You're having 
tree damage. You're having power outages. Yeah. It's, it's really be, bad. It's and for us, we're going to get mean, that. But then next week, so then what I'm going to get to is at least where I live, it feels like this is it. Yes. This weekend, the next week is nice, and then you're in the end of March. And then even if you get snow, and it doesn't look like you're going to get snow, it melts, right? I, I, it you're melts. not even worried about snow. You're lingering about the, the lingering cold March weather that doesn't, once you have the uh, In the like a lion, hour, out like a lamb, Once you have the extra hour at the end of the day, you want it to start to feel warm. You don't want it to you know, have to put on the puffer jacket when you go outside. But we might lose the cherry blossoms. You have a lot of That's them right. that are already in the second Blown or third off. stages. Oh. Blown they're off. Not in the, they're not into the fourth or fifth stage. Uh, I clearly learned all this on WTOP this morning <laughs> driving over to your house. Right. Uh, no, that's it. They could blow off. Yeah. You know, they're not anchored. They oh. could blow off. And then all the people who come to look at them. You know, then all they'll be left to do in their anger is join the truck convoy <laughs> with Ted Cruz. So I still... wanted to mention one other thing. There are two things I, 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 could, I could tell a long story about another. See, I don't want to do this. It's another example of me having no idea what things cost. None at all. I may save that for next week okay? because it's an evergreen story. It has to do with a side view mirror and how much it costs and how I underestimated it wildly. <laughs> Wild car registration for one year. What do you think it costs in DC? Thirty dollars, thirty to forty-five dollars. Okay, let's say uh, your your. I know that because I pay that. Though that's not accurate whatsoever. A hundred dollars. You're still lowballing it, Dad. Oh, Uh, so do you do the one year or the two? Three thousand dollars. One, I do one year because I never know if I want to keep the car. Wow. I never know. Live day to day. Per- this is not like you. Yeah. You never let the car no. go below a quarter of a tank. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk about this particular thing. I am going to mention briefly that I've now noticed that other trees in my neighborhood are decorated, festooned with the colors of the Ukrainian flag, the blue and bright yellow of the Ukrainian flag. And I feel good about it. That's a protest that I understand. I feel good about that. And I will say this one other thing that I've said to both Nigel and to Michael. I don't understand this. Um, Russia is not a third world country. It's first world country. It's even with us. Everything we got, they got. You know, really, everything. The average Russian is probably like the average American at, the, at this point. And I don't know how it's possible that they don't have phones and they don't have internet and they don't know what's going on. Because they're being told by their leadership that people have gone into Ukraine to liberate Ukraine. Ukraine from the Nazis. It's denazification. They're the Nazis. They're killing people, innocent people, blowing up homes, blowing up schools, blowing up, you know, hospitals. Come on. And they don't know this. They're able to control that. Russia and China are able to control the flow of information that is so liberalized here and in other places in the world. How are they able to do that? I don't understand that. I don't get it. I'm only a little bit surprised by considering the influence of disinformation that we've seen in the last five years, even in our own country, where you choose to read and to watch certain channels. Yeah. But if you go online to any forum, yeah, you know, widely this. respected forums that are that have sort of had a lot of scrutiny uh, over them the last couple of years, you're seeing some of those similar storylines play out. So, and I, we're not being threatened with prison time. Right. I think there have been some protests. I, I mean, I guess the news got out initially. I know there some protests in like St. Petersburg, but they cracked down on them fairly harshly, does Mr. Putin. Stuck around St. Petersburg when I thought <laughs> so it, was it was time, time for a change. change. Yeah. I want to do why you've seen people like Musk make, try and make sure that they can get 
sort of the internet access to the areas of Ukraine to make sure that that the sort of the free reporting is being delivered. And I think Elon Musk actually, is he a hero or a villain? Elon Musk? Yeah, he seems to be very controversial. I think at times he can be a hero, and other times maybe a bit villainous. I, I think overall, I think he's, he uh -huh. does pretty good. But he's supplied his own satellites to provide the people of Ukraine with internet access when it was initially cut off. So How can he supply the people of Russia with it or the people of China with it? Uh, the Musk I, man, as we like to call him? I think the, the, the heads Remember of Remember when state people bought Musk oil all the time as colognes? <laughs> Remember when colognes were popular for 300 years? And now, now if you smell When's somebody... the last time you wore cologne? If you smell somebody like that, you go, whoa, this guy's a freak. What is he doing? What is he doing? The cologne business went down. Went, it's out. It's yep. done. Yeah. There is no cologne business. But you might use the cologne to make sure you still have your sense of smell. So in case you get COVID. Yeah. Um... I wanted to read a couple of things, not to tell you how to use your own French press, which I still haven't used, but if you don't want to make 10 cups of coffee at once, just don't fill the French press all the way to the top with hot water. Okay. I know you weren't a math major, but let me assure you, if the recipe calls for 10 scoops of coffee for a full carafe, five scoops and a half full carafe will work just as well. I love this coffee that they sent me. What's it called? Trade? Yes. Trade coffee, yes. I love it, but I do something wrong and it ends up the grounds... End up in my coffee, the as worst Carly part Simon is, the would worst say. The part is you drink it anyway. You yeah, get a spood. I just don't know what I'm doing. And then I asked mom, I was like, do you have like a kettle? Uh, you know, like we have an electric kettle. And she goes, I have a saucepan. I'll just boil the water. That's what she does. We're like from the 1800s. <laughs> well, it's Little House on the Prairie here. <laughs> from Christopher Pastora, Pastori, the Associate General Counsel of the University of Arizona. So we're including fictional people now? During the March 4th show, you indicated that the hometown emails needed to stop and then proceeded to read emails about famous people from hometowns, some of which included fictional characters, and I knew this was my chance. I write to submit JoJo, who had a home in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> he's famous mostly or only because he left Tucson for California. In that regard, he's just like everybody else from Tucson. But JoJo is the only person Sir Paul implored to get back to Tucson. Of course, Paul and Linda a University of Arizona graduate, ended up buying a winter home in Tucson. So we got that going for us, which is nice. From Will Katz in Los Angeles. Listening to old podcasts to catch up to the present day. I'm too young to know the Cheers theme song, but it sounds like your outrage over the new Applebee's ad campaign can only be described as righteous. I hate Applebee's. If I ever taste their <laughs> lukewarm, low-quality, diarrhea-inducing slop again, it will be too soon. Whoa, Will. Very Maybe specific. I'm being a bit harsh. After all, Applebee's is somewhat of an innovator in the American chain restaurant space. Where else can one find food that is both oversalted and under-seasoned, that is both affordable and overpriced? Applebee's, that's where. Anyway, I hope they change their ad campaign to one featuring a more innocuous song in the near future. I'm sure the folks at Applebee's will be eager for their commercials to stop being associated with poor taste. Hope it works out for them. That's a great email. It? <laughs> it From the Reverend Mark Schaefer. The internet is bad, you say. Have I missed the radio stations your show is broadcast on? Is there a print edition of the Tony Kornheiser show I can subscribe to by mail? Is there a channel other than News Channel 8 simulcasting the broadcast? No? Then I don't know how to break this to you, my friend, but you are on the internet. <laughs> Unless you think that the pod and podcast refers to the Peapod grocery delivery service handing out cassette taped recordings of the show, I'm pretty sure this is something <coughs> Excuse me, you should already know, even more than the price of a gallon of milk. We're on the internet? Uh, yeah, well, that's where people download the show from, sure. Mark Collinson from St. Clair Shores in Michigan. The internet is ruining the world, he said, while broadcasting solely on the internet. <laughs> Truly riveting commentary. <laughs> Thank you for your wisdom. In parentheses, he should have written, you dope. 
from Tim Wildsmith in Nashville, whose music we play. Yes, we love Tim. The person to whom I'm related by marriage was featured in the online lifestyle section of the Washington Post this weekend. This story, linked below, by Janae Kingsbury, was about six different women and how their lives changed completely during the pandemic. And yes, I didn't attend the Jingle Fest in Nashville, and it was so much fun. Great to meet some fellow Littles and enjoy the music of the show. Shout out to Tony. I have a piano. Beeson who's the nicest guy in the world. Everyone says that about Tony. Yeah, lovely fellow. From Eric Samuel in Orinda, California. Not only do broadcasters for the Rangers, Mariners, and Dodgers listen, so does Giants and ESPN national broadcaster David Fleming. Dave Fleming, he's really good. Yeah. Didn't we work with his brother, Will, in Chicago? Didn't oh, we do that? Oh, I think we did, yeah. Yeah. He even rides his bike home from broadcasting games on occasion, but I don't know if he wears white. We're making inroads yes. into baseball. Zach Cummings from Maple Ridge, British Columbia in Canada. Mr. Tony, I'm sad to send you this email as a confession of sorts and to ask for your forgiveness. I, as a PTI watcher of 15 years and a podcast listener of four, have bought a Subaru. Can I still watch and listen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> More importantly, am I crazy for thinking the entire time I was buying this vehicle how you, a person I have no personal relationship with, would be disappointed in me? <laughs> That's, it's okay. It's perfectly okay, Zach. You're in Canada. You need a Subaru. Yes. Are you skipping the rest of the show? What do you mean? We just jump straight to the mailbag? No, I just I wanted to open. I got a lot of emails laying around. I thought they were good. I went through last two nights ago. I had nothing to do. I went through 300 emails. John Holt in Chester, Virginia. I look forward to Dan Burns' next song, Tony's Thousand Dollar Glasses. And that's, that's I was going to say that after the thing with the mirror, but I didn't. Uh, Brian Moeller, who's a high school assistant principal. On Friday's show, you talked about the spider web of the show and how we're not alone no matter where we are. You went on to mention how you hear from littles in Europe, Canada, and all across the globe who know each other. To which I'm also always amazed at the connective tissue of the show. However, I felt compelled to tell you that has not quite been my experience here around Table Rock Lake in the beautiful Ozarks of southwest Missouri. Granted, I spend most of my time around high school students, to which, as assistant principal, I get my share of TK salutes. <laughs> but my uses of lachiserie or use the code people or what are we even doing here, man, or micro wave are yet to hear the ears of a fellow little or usually answered with a puzzled expression on their face. Alas, I'm not without hope. I see myself as the official Tony Kornheiser missionary stationed in the vast frontier of mid-America, an area that makes Wilbon's I-95 vitriol seem trivial, as most people here see anything east of the Mississippi as untrusted foreign countries. From time to time, I hear you read emails from others from the show-me state, so I know our numbers are growing. Thus, I will continue to educate the masses on the important items as D.C. weather, the best route to get to Pinehurst, and the acceptable number of outlets to have in the kitchen. Knowing that the day is soon coming when someone tells me to eat it, it may be from a fellow little happy to make my acquaintance, not some 16-year-old punk I just assigned suspension. (laughs) P.S. While living in southwest Missouri does have me removed from the perks of the bustling East Coast, I was able to buy a three-pack of reading glasses for (laughs) $7.99. What did I spend? Like nearly $1,000. And I couldn't. Because I'm who I am. I can't say, no, I don't want it. Yeah, it's tough to... Hey, give me those from the top shelf. You know. No, they, he just took four or five down from random places. From Peter and Susan Van Acker. This show stinks, but can I play the phone number game? 311-555-2368. This is Jim Rockford. At the tone, leave your name and number. I'll get back to you. That's from Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. I just... I, I looked through a thousand things the other day. I mean, I could have begun with baseball. We're going to have Ron Darling on the show. Yes. Baseball and football are in the news. Did you watch Ben Simmons? I didn't watch it. No. Did he get booed lustily? I think he did, yes. 
But they won. The Nets ended up winning that. And so, uh, but oh, they beat the Sixers? Yes. Yeah, it's sort of that. I'm sure it's important to Wilbon. It, it was not important to me. Did you try and watch any of the players, or the weather delays just were too much for you? I ended up, I, I, all of a sudden, I tune into the players at some point yesterday, and Brian Harmon is on 18 minus 12. And I went, minus 12? The guy's shooting 60? And then it was that was the fourth round two years ago. Yep, makes sense. I didn't, so, and it didn't say. You know, we're in a rain delay. I didn't know. The, uh, so I don't know if you watched it. You didn't see any of the highlights. The best part, and this is because of the rain delay, I was saying to Nigel before the show. So Ian Poulter, and I've been very anti-Ian Poulter for many years. Well, because he's going to go to the Saudi golf But tour. I'm beginning to love him now. So he is, a, he is facing darkness, and he doesn't want to come back and put it in the ground at 530 today. So he runs on 17. He hits it to the top shelf. He's got four and a half feet. The last 100 yards, he's going around that land bridge, the shoulder, yeah. huffing and puffing, marks his ball, <laughs> bangs the birdie putt in, runs up to 18 before his playing partners can putt out so he can be the one ball in the air that gives his group the chance to play. Hits a swipey fade up into the rough and ends up saving par. <laughs> so the weather there, Sands told us Every the weather day. was going to be bad, and it was going to be bad all weekend or something like that. But it's not going to be as nearly as bad as it's going to be in New England and in Canada no, 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 no. with this bombogenesis. Yeah. What I don't that doesn't sound good at all. No. What are you hitting on seventeen with thirty mile an hour gusts? How do you even get on the on the you know, anywhere near being out of the water in that? Wind is the enemy of golfers. Yeah. Right? Wind. Scariest shot in golf is that drop zone, right? Yeah. It is said it is said that the greatest round ever played was Tom Watson in a tournament I think in Ohio, where nobody else was at par. And maybe like the average score was 77 and Watson was something like minus four Wow! in 40 mile an hour sustained wins. People marveled at it. It's a long time ago. But you obviously. said when I've asked you about wind before, you <laughs> said wind, it. wind could be fun, right? It's great fun. Well, I shoot 100. What's the difference? <laughs> What's the difference if I play in wind or no wind? Now, Michael, you're you can always You can always pick the ball up. I can pick the ball up mid most of my rounds. <laughs> right. It's fun. Right. Try different shots, play it on the ground. Right. And they and pros in a tournament can't But do to that. an island greed, when, oh. you're, when you're ripping wedge off the greens, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's uh, get out of this segment. I, Jason Lock and Fora, when we return, I'm yes. Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Mike Stocksdale. Stocksdale. A friend of mine, men's basketball team in a league, asked about my music, so I sent it his way. Tay texted and said, I had to submit it to your show. I confess I've never listened to the podcast, but he's turned me on to it, and I love how it feels like an old-school radio DJ is running the place. I never know what to submit for things like this, but here are a few of my favorite tunes. This is called Wishes and Wants. This guy's really good. It's amazing. Yeah. He's really good. We'll play the Mike others. Stocksdale. Yeah, we'll play the others next week. But wow. He's a singer and a songwriter. It's good. Plays in Jason Lockin for CBS Sports and his own radio show. And I was going to start with the quarterback stuff, and I'll get to the quarterback stuff, but yesterday something happened. 
that got Wilbon crazy. Khalil Mack has been traded away from the Bears to the Chargers. And Wilbon says, we gave two number ones for this guy. And I said, Wilbon, you got four great years out of this guy. And he says, this organization stinks. Why are you getting rid of this guy? We gave up two number ones. And I wanted to say, you gave up two number ones for Trubisky and didn't get anything. You got something from Khalil Mack. What do you make of this, Jason? Well, they're, they're going in an exact different direction than they were going in um, when they made that trade with John Gruden to get Khalil Mack. Um, they're they're now the Raiders, <laughs> uh, or at yeah. least what what the Raiders were attempting to do at that point. Now the difference is the Raiders had a quarterback, now not a great one, but certainly good enough. Um, a quarterback other teams would want, and we'll have to find out about Justin Fields. But this we're at a point in time where the league at the general manager position is getting increasingly um, younger. It's getting increasingly more analytical. It's getting increasingly less old school. And these guys are much more inclined. They've they've come up in a manner where they're they're much more open minded and far less rigid about um, what football men do and how football teams are built. Yeah. They're not afraid of making quote unquote basketball trades, which is basically dumping, you know, dumping a contract for a pick or, 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 you know, buying somebody else's bad contract because you've got abundant cap space and they don't have it. And that, that's not what, uh, that's not what this is. This is a little bit more, um, of just a, a sort of standard move that a rebuilding team would make where they're saying, um, we don't have as much draft capital as we like, as we'd like. We're under new management. Um, we're we're having a bit of a purge here to reset ourselves and to try to finally make this team a true contender by sort of doing um, the baseball rebuild, which is uh, it's been successful for the Astros. It's been successful for some teams, which is we're going to be bad for a little bit and then hope to be good for a sustained period of time. Uh, they're going to lose a lot of free agents, too. So Wilbon's misery is just beginning. Um I don't see Allen Robinson back there. <laughs> I don't see Akeem Hicks back there. Um, I don't see Daniels, their offensive lineman, back there. And I may be forgetting a few, Tone, but, you know, I, I guess the flip side is when, you know, when's the last time they were really, truly relevant? You know, when's the last time they were a team that over a three-year period of time, you're like, wow, that, that's somebody you have to be concerned about. You know, we're, we're probably going back to their Super Bowl appearance and maybe a couple years around there. That's that's a long time. I, I don't know that this way will work, but I will say it's, you're far better off doing this in the NFC than the AFC because it's it, – I mean, look at Seattle. They just traded Russell Wilson to the AFC. Um, you know, look at the Lions. They just were on the, the receiving end of one of these deals. Um trading a far better quarterback to another team and taking on the, the worst contract of a worse quarterback. Um, which of these teams gets to respectability first, I, I guess remains to be seen. But I think the Vikings are on the cusp of doing the same thing. I, I think the Vikings, um, if we were to talk at this time next week, I don't know that Adam Thielen, uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, 
I don't know that any of those guys are there. Michael Pierce, or at least some of them won't be. Um, so with an expanded playoff, there's going to be, I think, some even worse teams in that conference who get in, and if you get in, anything can happen. Um, but there's certainly a lot of teams that are resetting themselves. Let us go. Let's rank these things in impact, in impact on, on the league right now. Rodgers staying in Green Bay, Wilson going to Denver, Wentz going to Washington. How would you rate them? Well, I would put Wilson one. Um, you would? Russell okay. Wilson's 33. He, People act like he's 43. Um, right. He's never had a, a serious injury. I mean, this thumb, I mean, this finger thing was kind of freaky, but like, He's not a guy who's going every year, always getting his shoulder cleaned up. He's getting his elbow repaired. He's getting his knee, you know, uh, repaired. That that hasn't been him. He's played through high ankle sprains and stuff like that. But he's a guy who didn't miss a snap until his he couldn't bend his middle finger this year. Um, and he tried to play through that, and it, it wasn't great. But but go watch his Week 18 film. I, I do a podcast with Brian Baldinger every week. Uh, Baldy studies this stuff as much as anybody. Baldy gushes about his Week 18 film when you could clearly see he was he was himself. Um, so he's going to play. He's Tom Brady without that many rings, but in terms of the lifestyle, the dedication, the 365 days a year football mentality, the diet, the nutritionist, uh, the mental conditioning coach, the trainer, the kinesiologist, the 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 dietary guy, they all travel with him. It's the same deal. It's mm. a similar lifestyle. Um, I think we're seeing the era of the super team in the NFL, and you have you don't you know superstar quarterbacks calling their shots. And I'm Tom Brady, and I want Antonio Brown, and I want Gronk with me. I'm Aaron Rodgers, and if I stay, you're bringing this guy back and this guy back, and you're getting me Randall Cobb. I think you're going to see a super team form around Russell Wilson. They are not done spending there. Um, he will do an extension over the last five years. Uh, he's top five in wins. He's top five in QB rating. He's number one in air yards per attempt. He's number one in percentage of passes traveling 20 yards or more in the I air. Have no idea. Um, one guy has more touchdown passes than him the last five years. Russell has 165. Tom Brady has 168. And, and you know, Russell missed some games this year. He's top five in TD to interception ratio. Uh, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer for me, surefire. And I think he has many good years left in him. And if you're going to mess around in the AFC, you better have a quarterback. And in that division in the AFC, you definitely better have a quarterback. Well, they all that, do. That to me is is the biggest move. Aaron Rodgers, I would put second because of the he's a back to back MVP. But he's year to year. He makes no bones about being year to year. Um, this thing could could be over at any given moment. And when it's over, when tomorrow hits the Packers, it's going to hit them hard. Um, that's not going to be a team that's down for a year or two. That's going to be a team that's down for a sustained period of time. That's just how they're constructed. And when they go in the other direction, even if they draft much better than they have recently, it's going to be a problem. Um, okay. And Carson Wentz, I mean, that's – when Frank Reich is like, I can't do this anymore with that guy, uh, you know, and, and Frank Reich yeah. was his sensei, and Frank Reich was a big part of his MVP campaign and his early development in Philadelphia, and when after one season Frank, Frank Reich is like – that's on me, my bad, but but, but we got to get better. Uh, that's a bad sign. <laughs> He's going to a place that's been criminally toxic forever. Um, and sort of his sort of uh, attitude and leadership style, 
uh, is not in favor in places where the culture is seen as good, like Indianapolis, uh, uh, buyer beware. What does Indianapolis do for a quarterback? Because they're good. They're a good team. They do have what do they do? In, in, in tact. I, I think that could be Kirk Cousins. Um, wow. I know that multiple teams are, are engaged on Kirk Cousins. It's a tricky situation because nobody wins the business of football like Kirk Cousins. So once again, he has a team with a gun to their head, uh, proverbially, uh, because of the contract. Um, one year left, pretty big salary, massive salary cap number. So you're going to have to engage in a, in a lengthy deal with him, at, at least a three-year deal for cap purposes in all likelihood, to get the number where you want it. And that means, once again, Kirk Cousins will get a very significant guarantee on his contract. And coming, you know, riding the wave of, well, somebody just gave up multiple picks and took on all $28 million of of Wentz, you know, and, you know, Russell Wilson's going to get a massive new deal. And Aaron Rodgers getting his 50 a year. It's not going to be cheap with Cousins, but I think Kirk Cousins would be the best quarterback they've had since Andrew Luck. I don't know if they're winning a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, especially in the AFC. I don't even know if they're getting to a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. But they're super desperate, and I do think from a pocket passer standpoint, from an accuracy standpoint, from a, uh, um, someone who's pretty good in a dome standpoint, that that stuff makes sense, but we all know that he, there's not many pelts on that belt. Is he going to be a guy who's putting people on their back in January? Um, and look, and his leadership style is is awkward. Um, but they got to do something. And you know, Garoppolo teams are talking to as well. But Garoppolo just had the shoulder surgery a few days ago. Um, Garoppolo can't even start throwing until July, and Garoppolo's hopeful and thinks he'll be ready. For week one, but that, that's you can't take that to your owner with any you know with with, with absolute certainty. Um, I think Cousins is the next domino to fall in the quarterback market. Uh, let me go to Seattle briefly. Russell Wilson no longer there. They get a bunch of draft picks. They cut Bobby Wagner. Not everybody realizes how great Bobby Wagner was. Oh, Six-time yeah. first-team All-Pro. Six-time All-Decade yeah. team. The question is this. They're in total rebuild, and they're in a very, very tough division, and they're going to finish last in that division. Pete Carroll's almost my age. Does Pete Carroll stick around to get good, or does he leave? Well, look, they're going to try to get a quarterback, too, and and the guy I'd keep my eye on there is Deshaun Watson if um, that becomes feasible from a a legal standpoint and from an availability standpoint in terms of any um, NFL discipline. But they now have the draft capital to get Deshaun Watson um, potentially, and then still have some other pieces. Have you know build build around him a little bit. Still have some picks. Still have cap space. Um, but that's a dangerous proposition when you're, you're trading a quarterback of that magnitude. Now, look, I told you a year ago that this was coming. Like Russell Wilson, when a guy like yeah. that is telling you, I'm not doing another contract here. You know, I don't buy what you're selling. I'm kind of sick of having to hold up a roster that's not very good. Um, then then you you probably better, you better not go to war with him for more than a year because then you're going to start really impacting what you get in return for him. So I understand why this happened. I'm not surprised at all um, that this came to pass. But it, it <laughs> you, you still go from being a team that, that is like, well – we don't really love everything, but if Russ is healthy, we're competing. And you know what I mean. Into January, they don't they don't have that luxury right now. They don't have that card um, in their back okay. pocket anymore. Okay. And this is not a great quarterback draft. Um, 
and I don't think they did this to take to use that ninth overall pick they now have on a on you know whatever Kenny Pickett becomes or whatever Malik Willis becomes. Um, I, I just don't, and I don't think Drew Locke is the answer either, and I don't think they think Drew Locke is the answer. But you want to have a quarterback on your roster, so I get it, and he could be a developmental guy. Um, you know, could that be Garoppolo at some point, or, or you know, could that could that even be Cousins? It's not out of the question. Um, it's this not out of the question. But, but to your point about Pete, yeah, I mean, Pete didn't want like people are like. Well, you know, why didn't Washington just keep throwing first-round picks at him? Pete's not – what does a first-round pick in 2025 mean to Pete Carroll right now in his 70s? Yeah, you no, know, he wants a player. Yeah. He'd rather have a player, even if it's not as great of a – even if it's not a first-round player, he needs somebody to help him win right now who's a known commodity, who he knows fits his scheme, who he knows is an NFL player and what kind of NFL player he is. Yeah, we want some picks too, but, like, yeah, 2025, uh, that's – Pete might be on the beach by then. Exactly. Plug your radio show for us. Uh, if you can't get enough of this, if, 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 if this it's, is a Jason, teaser, you have no idea how not good this is. making you jump off this podcast, then you can get much more of it. From 2 to 6, <laughs> weekdays on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Or you can listen on the Odyssey app. Uh, you could stream us at www.1057thefan.com. I'm told if you're within the region, we get ratings points for that as well. So that's uh, that's always a wonderful thing. Uh, we talk football all the time, um, but we certainly are talking a lot of baseball right now, too, because thank God those knuckleheads got their stuff together. Um, and we would have been preempted by the Terps today, but they found a way they're to out. lose another heartbreaker. So, alas, you get all four hours of us. Jason, you have no idea how good this is. Thank you. Jason Lock and Oh, it's always my pleasure, brother. Thank you. Just so good. We'll take a break. Ron Darling, when we return to talk about baseball, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. They're going to have the designated hitter in both leagues from now on. You can't beat him. Join him. That's a message, I guess. The days of doing it yourself are gone. I'm gonna have a standing at my table to chew my food before I swallow. Gonna have someone throw sticks to my dog from a respectful distance I will follow. Got a guy coming in to brush his teeth before I go to bed. Got a kid to shower and wash their hair while I neglect my head. From now on when I'm asked to write my signature I'll have this kid here to do it Gotta stamp liquor and someone to smell the flowers When my nose runs I got some folks They'll be the ones who blew it I've cleaned my ears for the very last time Won't do my own, don't try to implore me Gotta, gotta write my songs And I gotta do my crosswords And I gotta go to the bathroom for me The DH in both leagues will have to live with no place else to go Got a kid to do my dying And a kid to listen for me To the Tony Kornheiser Show How many outlets do we have? The brilliant Dan Byrne The brilliant Dan Byrne It's amazing Lamenting the fact that pitchers Don't get the hit anymore, obviously Here's a pitcher who got the hit Ron Darling joins us now And I... When I sat down to write all the questions for you, I was under the impression that the baseball thing was not going to get done. Uh, 
And so I thought, well, what can we talk about that would be the most interesting? And the first thing I thought of, and I don't know if this is true, were you ever a player rep? Were you ever part of this? Were you ever on the inside, or were you one of those people who waited for someone to tell you, this is the offer, what do you think? Um, well, first, uh, that Dan could use implore in that song is amazing. Uh, uh, and I'll always remember that. Second, uh, yes, uh, I was a player rep, but I've been on both sides. Um, in the middle of my career, I was a player rep and involved in all of this stuff. And then as I got towards the end of my career, which was 94, 95, um, I kind of just sat back and waited for someone to give me a call. And in fact, as soon as the player struck in 94, the next day I left for Hawaii and never came back until spring training of the next year. So um, I, I kind of checked out. <laughs> so I think it runs the gamut. Uh, uh, some players are very interested in it. Some players are not at all. And, uh, you know, when I saw the vote of the, 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 the executive committee, then I saw the vote of the representatives of each team. It really tells you what is happening in baseball. There's so many free agents and so much pressure on uh, the league uh, or the players to, to get it going because they, they want to get out there. They want to get a job. This is exactly what I wanted to go to. The executive committee is eight people, players committee. Five of them are Scott Boris agents. Uh, Scott Boris is the agent of five of them. Yeah. They voted unanimously to turn this down. Then the player reps voted 26 to four to take it. So my conclusion was somebody that the executive committee is totally out of touch, Ron, totally out of touch with the rank and file, or am I jumping to the wrong conclusion? Um, I, don't, I don't think you're jumping to the wrong conclusion. I think uh, one thing we can, we can know for certain, right? If you're in the, uh, if you're in the uh, middle of these negotiations, you're certainly going to be more radicalized, you know, because when you're in there face-to-face, and you are spending 16 hours with people that you'd rather not spend time with, uh, you're going to be, become more rad radicalized, and that certainly is the case. Uh, but I think what the vote ha has said is exactly what you said, is that I think there was a, a feeling uh, in the subcommittee that uh, they were on a path to get certain things done, and they felt that they had not gotten those done. But like I said, the rank and file wants to play, the rank and file has 300 free agents who need a job. This is going to be the, the, the greatest or worst addition uh, uh, of musical chairs you'll ever see in your life. And, and you know how that game ends. Someone doesn't have a seat. So I, I guess this is what I want to get to when you – and I, to speak to the, the radicalization in the room, do you think that the more you sit in the room, if you're a rep – the more you sit in the room that you necessarily become radicalized, you necessarily view the ownership as, as evil, and that somehow you're in a silo and you lose track of what the players actually want? I, I don't think uh, what happens is you know, the confrontational nature of, of labor negotiations. I mean, think of our history in this country. Um, from the Wobblies to uh, uh, the workers' unions. I mean, they are very contentious. And, uh, yeah. you know, ballplayers are, are made. Uh, one of the reasons you become a ball player, Tony, is that you don't want to go to school anymore. So, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> part of this whole thing is to be thrown into something so intense 
like that, I think, is, uh, is a large thing to wrap your brain around, I think, anyways. I, I know in my history of it, um, it, it sometimes you can't always uh, see the forest through the trees. Uh, that being said, um, I mean, it, it's obvious that, that, you know, Scott Boris uh, was, is a very huge, influential part on how the game uh, is played, uh, being an agent for some of the greatest players uh, in our game right now. Uh, what influence he had, it seems like he had a lot. I don't know that for a fact. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is that the people who wanted to play uh, won over, and, uh, and the, player, yeah. the players that are on the uh, subcommittee have to be commended. It's not, ver- not easy to leave your family and spend 16-hour days trying to get this done. And, and seemingly, uh, you know, every time you thought you were close, uh, you kind of had to uh, start again or reboot. So, uh, you know, they should be commended. But at the same time, um, you know, it was, it, it was an interesting vote, just like the owners agreed uh, to it 30 to zero. I mean, all these pillars of industry, there's not one owner that might disagree with what happened. I find that interesting as well. Just the, like they doth not protest at all. When you were negotiating, when you were in the room, and then you had to go out and tell your team what was going on. Did you ever find like one or two or three or four players where you went, I, are you even paying attention at all? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the thing about uh, ball players is that they come from all different walks of life. And um, just like, uh, you know, I'm sure a union at, uh, at a shop or some of the Amazon workers who are trying to unionize now. I'm sure that there's a large population that can't wait to read everything to make sure that their uh, future um, is in good hands. And there's some people that are like, you know what, let me know when it's done because I'm a nine to fiver and uh, I just want to do my job. So uh, they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. What do you, I, look, I'm thrilled Everybody says the criticism of baseball is that it's only watched by old men. And I'm an old man, and I watch. There's not a game, unless it's on the West Coast with the Nats, there's not a game that I don't check into for a few innings. I immerse myself in it. I love it. I I really do. And I especially love it when gas is going to go to $10 a gallon. And there's so so much uncertainty in, in so many other things and a pandemic and all of that. So I'm thrilled about this. But I would ask you as a former player, are are you are you good with this? Are you glad this is over? And do you think both sides won and both sides lost, which is what good you know, negotiations produce? You know, you're right. I, I think that any time you have a good negotiation, each part or each person that works uh, walks away from the table should feel a little gut punch. It's like, you know, we got it done, but darn, I, I should have got uh, a little extra here or there. Um Yes, I, I think it's a step forward. Um, I think the international draft, um, I know it's going to take some time to figure it out. That, that's really important. Some of the shenanigans that are happening in the Dominican and other places just cannot happen anymore. Um, you know, you need to get a hold of, of that. Um, and it's unfair to the players who get drafted um, against players who are coming from places where they don't get drafted and they get huge bonuses because there's no restrictions on that. So I think there's a move forward. I I thought the most important thing that they really needed to address in the CBA was how the game is played. 
And I'm so happy that they were able to get some of those things. Now, I don't know how the larger bases are going to play. I was a fan of the base in foul territory at first base uh, that would allow the base runner and uh, the first baseman not to make any connection. Uh, Max Muncy, you remember, in September, the Dodgers lost yes. to him because of, of a collision. I was hoping for that more than the bigger bases. Uh, I think the banning of the shift, what we've learned now, is that the hitters are not going to make an adjustment. So uh, baseball is going to have to make an adjustment. And, and the reason I say that is I spent some time um, at Bobby Valentine's uh, Sports Academy where I live, and I watch how players are, get, are getting taught how to hit. That's not changing, Tony. It's not going to change. So if that doesn't change, the hitters are not going to change, so you have to change the game. The NFL does this all the time, sometimes well. Every year. Um, uh, sometimes they do it really every year. Great job with it. As far as the kickoff uh, uh, being nullified with the way they put the ball, I don't like that rule. But they have good ones and they have bad ones. I think you've got to take a shot. And then the pitch clock, which I think when you're an older person, you have this romantic uh, vision that baseball is such a pastoral game that uh, it should just be played in, in, in an organic way and let it happen. Uh, those days are gone. Uh, we need to quicken it up. And um, most people think it's going to be very difficult on the pitchers of the pitch clock. It's just the opposite. It will be the hitters who will have a hard time because the pitchers will be able to do it. The hitters have so much information now, analytics, uh, that uh, to wrap their brain around and process all of that within the five or six seconds they're going to need to, to stay in that box. It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, there'll be some frustration early. My favorite thing in baseball now is when uh, fielders – take off their hats and look where they're supposed to be positioned on the next guy. This crazy little cheat sheet. I go, really? We've, we've reached that. Ron, I would say that the best thing of all is that we're going to get 162. Right? Isn't everybody happy with that? We'll get 162. You know, I, I was a little afraid of the 162 because I think that the people who run the game now, and, and these people are incredibly intelligent and smart, uh, are not sold on 162. I think sometimes I feel like they'd rather play – 135 and keep everyone healthy. So um, I'm really happy about the 162 because 162 yeah. means something. It means something not only for personal stats. It means something as far as teams withstanding that six-month grind to see who the best teams are, and, uh, and I think that's all good. Thank you so much for being on. I'll tell Tracy you were great, just great. <laughs> and then this year, this year I'll come out of my house. If you make the trip what? to Washington to broadcast games, I'll come out of my house. I will be there on the 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Your, uh, yeah. your former national, Mr. Scherzer, will be pitching on the 8th, which is a I hope he Friday, gets a huge ovation. I hope uh, he gets and, a huge ovation. I do. And maybe I'll see you then, or we'll have a, we haven't had dinner in a while, so maybe we'll do that. We'll do it. Thank you, Ron. Right, Ron thanks. Darling, boys Bye, and girls. We'll take a break. We'll have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Brad Weiss. I was born right here, and so were a couple of somewhat well-known folks. A backup catcher with the mitts. An actor from an old TV show There's also good old What's her name? She wrote a best-selling book And graduated from my high school 
Okay, she's no Louise Gluck. <laughs> Such a good one. <laughs> or it could be your hometown. Or any old town. I've got 15 kitchen outlets. Brad Weiss gets this show. He just gets this show. He says, rather than list the many boatloads of minor and major celebrities born as I was in New York City, I'll just tell you a few of the celebrated physicians who went to medical school in the hospital where I was born. Surgeon General C. Everett Koop, astronaut Mae Jameson, Henry Heimlich of the fame maneuver, and some guy who was in school with my dad by the name of Anthony Fauci. Med school. In the hospital he was born. Also of note, my wife is from Niagara Falls, New York. I'll give you three guesses what else is in Niagara Falls, New York. And no, it isn't the Gateway Arch. Brad Weiss is brilliant. Uh, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel then? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, don't you worry about what's on your mind. Oh, my. I'm in no hurry. I can take my time. Oh, my. I'm going red and my tongue's getting tired. I'm off my head and my mouth's getting dry. I'm high, but I try, try, try. Oh, my. Let's spend... The night together, but Ed Sullivan said, let's spend some time together. Now I need you more than ever. That's the best Rolling Stones song. As far as I'm concerned, let's spend the night together is the best. And, you know, you choose from 100. Right. That's the best for me. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lockenfour and Ron Darling. Thanks to our sponsors, X-Chair Simply Safe. And Sunday, remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. And with conference tournament play and selection Sunday, we have a TK upset. So go to johnnyo.com and check out their latest spring offerings. And by the way, next week we'll, we'll do brackets. Monday, yes. Tuesday, Wednesday shows. Brackets. From Lauren Helvey. Yay. Originally, what's it, you don't like them? I, I love the brackets. You don't. I know you don't. But we, it's just public service. It's That's how I look at okay, it. Okay, we're going to start in the upper left quarter. Yeah. <laughs> Any upsets? Not at eight and nine. From Lauren Helvey, originally from Midwest City, Oklahoma. It gave me great pleasure to hear you gave to give Owen the throw mama from the train treatment. Owen! For over 30 years, I can't see or hear the name Owen without doing the same either in my head or out loud. The name has had a bit of resurgence lately. I'm slightly older than Michael, and at least three of my classmates have picked the names for their sons. And when one of my best friends told me it was at the top of her list for names for her sons, I told her she can't possibly do that. I quickly hopped on YouTube and sent her a clip, and she named her son Landon. 18-pound cat. 12 outlets in my kitchen. Pro golfer Taylor Gooch graduated from my high school, but I wouldn't call a city with a population of about 55,000. Small. Al Pierce in Newport News. My first job in 1969 after an army tour that included Vietnam was as a sports writer in Newport News, Virginia. There on day one, I met this punkish, long-haired, scruffy, hippie kid named Mike Litwin. His career took him everywhere, while mine agreeably kept me on Newport newspapers for 35 years, covering primarily motorsports. I retired from the newspaper biz in 2004, but have remained fully employed with a dozen books about NASCAR and following the tour for Auto Week of the Hearst Magazine Group. I always knew Mike would be a star, but I like to think my modest 53-year career has been pretty solid as well. Please give him my best regards. I'll call him, and he will remember, uh, without question, he'll remember Al Pierce. The guy who wrote us that note, who said, don't use my name, the note about Melman, has written us again. Dear Tony, well, if you went that far, then why didn't you just mention my name? I'm just kidding. In retrospect, I'm glad you read my previous letter, if only so I know you indeed saw it. 
While I'm a relatively new little, I've quickly come to love and appreciate the podcast. I think all the letter writers, and I must say I'm surprised at and humbled by the level of talent and humor out there, appreciate the feeling of contributing even a little bit to the connective tissue of this wonderful show, even though it stinks. At the risk of being maudlin and at a time when so many are evaluating what they're doing with their lives, you can rest comfortably with the knowledge that someday when Bootsy and the Hammer ask their grandpa what he did during the pandemic, you can say to them, I gave people a sense of community at a time when they needed it most. Now, if only I hadn't thought it was a good idea to take gambling advice from a monkey. <laughs> well, <laughs> the boys were very confused the other night watching PTI as to why you were dressed like a doctor. Would you, uh, we tried to explain to them, well, he is I am a, a doctor. He is a doctor, yes. I'm a doctor of letters. You know, that's humane letters. I'm a doctor from Binghamton. You know, that's a thing I'm proudest of. Absolutely. From Landon Fisher in Nightdale, North Carolina. Like when you have Chuck Todd on and don't speak politics, it's so refreshing to have famed restaurateur Gary Williams on <laughs> and only discuss his side hustle basketball. He has strong thoughts about French fries. Chris Bansells of Forest Hill, Maryland. Not Forest Hills. Forest Hill, Maryland. Forest Hills is in Queens. What a delight to hear Gary Williams on Monday's show. I grew up watching him coach Maryland and got to see it in person when I was a student there from 1998 to 2002. I've been to some of the great sporting venues in the country, but no place roared like Cole Fieldhouse when Gary would walk onto the court and pump his fist in the air towards the student section. You could feel the concrete tremble beneath your feet. I was at the last game at Cole before the championship run, and it's a memory I treasure so much that I've yet to go back for a live game since. Hearing you interview him warmed this old Terp's heart. Thank you. Isn't that nice? That's lovely. It's nice. It's, and I'm sure that'll make... Well, Gary doesn't listen, but I'm sure it would make him happy. Then Alan will tell him. Yes. No from mention Sean, of the mattresses. No. Sean Crawford from Queenstown, Maryland. I have a Chessie also. Short for Chesapeake Bay Retriever, but her name isn't Chessie. It's Pippa. I was thinking this was a David Aldridge moment for her, but that's stupid, so forget it. <laughs> from Josh Cromwell, please ask Michael how much the Littles would need to contribute to his now-diminished inheritance... Sorry, Chatter. To convince him to publish your diaries down the road once you're no longer signing. Dear diary, also please tell him it's raining here today. I thought he'd like to know. From Scott, too terrified to open them up ever. I want them destroyed. I'm asking you to please just destroy them. Just destroy them. From Scott, Mike Hancho Abercrombie of Huntsville, Alabama. Other, this is the Team Spice Boys. JG Mongo Fia Carver. Heon Trevor Heyo, pronounced Heon Heyo, and Greg the Hammer Mockamer. A few years ago, when you were giving out official fill-in-the-hobby occupation here at the Tony Kornheiser Show, I claimed the official competitive chili cook-off team of the Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, this weekend, Team Spice Boys took first, second, and third wow. in the St. George Island in Florida chili cook-off with yours truly taking first place. That gives me automatic entry into the World Championship chili cook-off in Myrtle Beach in September. Affirmation, baby. <laughs> this email is only going out Monday because I just sobered up. It's my concho. So we are th thrilled. Absolutely. We're Thanks. thrilled. Congratulations. Need some recipe details so over here. That's great. like one of Nigel's few dishes. Yes. And from <laughs> Jeff true. Taylor in Chicago, Illinois, originally from Clarksville, Indiana, home of former classmate of mine and former WWE superstar Nick Eugene Dinsmore and former Notre Dame basketball coach John McLeod. My family and I will be traveling to Washington, D.C. this Thursday. 
That's yesterday. That was yesterday, yes. And there's no one better I can think to advise two Gen Xers and a 10-year-old boy on fine family dining and to subsequently help with reservations and possibly the tip than a half a millennial, and a British gentleman. Also appreciate it would be best vantage points to watch red line fires, tips on how to get away with riding the acetique ponies free of charge, which embassies are set to have the best parties this weekend, and where we might find a lightly used trailer to drive home from Jeff Taylor. Can you help with fine family dining? Oh, I don't know. You don't take the kids out yet. They're have, too young. Uh, the other reasons, but yes. What about the Woodmont Grill, which I was told was good? Woodmont Grill is, is very nice. We'd have That's, to know where yes. they're staying. But yeah, the Woodmont Grill would be great. I was just no, in that area yesterday. I don't know. And as I the, mean, I always recommend the Palm, but it's tough with kids. Yeah, it's, it's not always a kid's place. But if you want to go to the embassy, just stop by the, the British embassy. and Say Nigel yeah, send you. Ask for me. Family-friendly, right good open-air dining. Go to Surf's on Wisconsin Avenue. It's uh, basically a block away from where the old 4,000 uh, Wisconsin Avenue movie theaters used to be. Two blocks away from Sidwell, Neville. Neville. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, Neville, do wear white. Come on now. That means everybody just cool out. Cool out. <laughs> Will you cool out, everybody? Break out of my skin. I am a prisoner in these cells. I wanna be anywhere else, but I've grown accustomed to these walls. Nobody's leaving here alive. She shouted as the midnight starlight fell upon her eyes. As if I didn't know it, as if I'd try to take it all when it was time to go. What's the difference between wishes and wants? Between the things we say we need and what we already got? Between the art we have made and the stuff that we just bought? And what's the difference between wishes and wants? a thousand years I can't even make it through the night I want to knock down all my fears but they've kept me up half my life you only get one shot at this she whispered as the morning dawn broke open through the clouds and I guess I always knew it but only heard it clearly when it echoed from her mouth What's the difference between wishes and wants? Between the things we say we need and what we already got? Between the art we have made and the stuff that we just bought? Man, what's the difference? What's the difference between wishes and wants?
out a hundred times If only I'd listen like I should I wrote a hundred thousand lies Sometimes the truth don't sound so good You could be the tallest tree She told me in the doorway With a suitcase by her feet And if nobody's around Still the loudest fall is only silence, not a sound Oh, like you never made a sound So what's the difference between wishes and wants? Between the things we say we need And what we already got Between the art we have made And the stuff that we just bought Man, what's the difference? What's the difference? What's the difference between wishes and wants? gonna have the designated hitter in both leagues from now on you can't beat him join him that's a message i guess the days of doing it yourself are gone i'm gonna have a standing at my table to chew my food before i swallow gonna have someone throw sticks to my dog from a respectful distance i will follow got a guy coming in to brush his teeth before I go to bed Got a kid to shower and wash their hair While I neglect my head From now on when I'm asked to write my signature I'll have this kid here to do it Gotta stamp liquor and someone to smell the flowers When my nose runs I got some folks They'll be the ones who blew it I've cleaned my ears for the very last time Won't do my own, don't try to implore me Gotta, gotta write my songs And I gotta do my crosswords And I gotta go to the bathroom for me The DH in both leagues will have to live with No place else to go Got a kid to do my dying And a kid to listen for me To the Tony Kornheiser show 